somehow Karim in Junction 48 is the sequel of what happened in Nakba in a way. Once you live in, you know, under oppression, everything you do is art. Even to do art is a resistance to the politics. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. A new feature film about hip-hop, love, gentrification, Israeli colonialism, and the Palestinian struggle has been racking up awards and glowing reviews around the world. Junction 48, directed by Udi Aloni, stars Tamar Nafar of the groundbreaking Palestinian hip-hop group Dam, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Oren Muverman. Nafar plays Karim, a rising hip-hop artist living in the city of Lid near Tel Aviv in present-day Israel. In a 2015 article about ongoing home demolitions in Lid, contributor to the Electronic Intifada, Badur Hassan recalls that Lid was the site of one of the worst episodes in the Nakba, Israel's 1948 ethnic cleansing of Palestine. In July of 1948, some 50,000 Palestinians were driven out by Zionist militias and expelled to the West Bank. Many died from exhaustion and dehydration on the way. Nearly 70 years later, Hassan writes, ongoing demolitions of Palestinian homes in Lid are part and parcel of the right-wing mayor's war against the city's indigenous Palestinians. But those who seem to be the most systematically targeted and pay the heaviest price are often women. And in Lid, there's even a wall separating the Palestinian and Jewish neighborhoods, another manifestation of Israel's apartheid policies. The ongoing Nakba inspires the storyline in Junction 48, and Karim's character is inspired by Tamar Nafar's real life. The script highlights a lot of the struggles that he and Dam have been rapping about for years. Poverty, crime, police brutality, racism, sexism, and expanding settler colonialism against Palestinians inside present-day Israel. In the beginning, Karim is reluctant to define his songs as political, but as a series of events both tied to him personally and to his direct circle of friends brings pain and loss, we see Karim take risks for his art and his community and the broader liberation struggle for Palestinians. And there's a really intense, deeply nuanced love story in there as well. It's a beautiful, captivating film all around. I was delighted to speak with both Tamar Nafar and director Udi Aloni last week in two separate interviews. They've been traveling around the world with Junction 48. First, we hear from Tamar Nafar, who joined us from his home in Lid. Tamar, you're an old friend of mine. It's so great to have you back with us here on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Shukran, Nora. Thanks for having me. You tackle quite a lot of issues in this in this film. Living and struggling in Lid maybe you know could be seen as a microcosm of a lot of the struggles of Palestinians, whether as citizens of Israel or in the occupied West Bank and Gaza Strip. Uh, in the film, we see what happens to communities and families in Lid who are facing home demolitions, uh, as well as casual and overt Zionist racism, police violence, etc. Can you tell us about the interconnection between all of these issues and why you felt it was important to have them make an appearance throughout the story in Junction 48? I think in general, uh, if, there are if, if there are movies, then it's mostly about the West Bank. Uh, and uh, uh, me as a 48er, I always felt left out, not just only in the cinema. Uh, we hardly have two movies. We have Ajami and we have Sijil uh, Ikhtifa uh, of Elias Liman. Um, so I always felt left out. Even even when they talk about the peace process, uh, uh, the 48ers are not part of the, uh, uh, the negotiation. 
So normally we are left out, and and for me it was impossible to accept because if if you if you mention the house demolition, we are talking about three hundred house demolitions only in Lid. Uh, so it was very important for me to do like every artist likes to do, document uh, document my generation and document my environment. You said that the, the story was inspired by your life. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what what compelled you to, 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 to write these plots like the home demolitions and uh, and, and Zionist racism in the in the nightclubs um why were these important stories for you to tell as a screenwriter actually to be honest uh at the beginning i wanted to do a ghetto movie because lid is like a ghetto you know i grew up in hip-hop i've watched uh, boys to men i've watched uh, fresh and i like you know a city of god i like these movies uh, when it comes to criminal uh, series uh, so I really wanted to keep it at the beginning when we started writing it, my, my, my direction was mostly, um, was mostly, uh, 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 the neighborhood itself. Uh, and, and then, uh, then I, I, we felt that something is missing. And Udi said that as an, as a Jewish director, I cannot do a movie without taking responsibility for the Nakba. Uh, so that's where the house of Abu Talal came in. And this whole story of demolishing the house to build uh, the coexisting museum. Um, and the idea came um, just to show how uh, the beautiful Israel, the beautiful, uh, the, 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 the only democracy in the Middle East is building itself over uh, ugliness. Uh, so yes, there is no house demolition in Lid that will be replaced by um, coexistence museum. But if you go to the history of uh, Palestine itself, you can see that Israel did demolish uh, the Muslim cemetery in Jerusalem to build uh, um, the Museum of Suvlanut, they call it. I forgot the name in English. Museum of Tolerance, right. The Museum of Tolerance. Uh, so it is. that's what I said it's not based on, but it's inspired of. And I think that this whole, you know, it's weird because at the same time that the movie dropped, uh, Elias Khoury dropped his, uh, al- uh, released his uh, book, Ulad il Ghetto, that it discusses, I don't know if you heard of it, but it discusses uh, the Palestine, it discusses Lid in 1948, uh, about, a, about, a, um, about a, a character named Adam in 1948, exactly, af- uh, uh, strictly after the occupation itself. And I think that Somehow, Karim in Junction Forty Eight is the sequel of what happened in the Nakba, in a way, because the Nakba, as we said, the Nakba Mustamirani. That's the voice of Tamir Nafar. Uh, he is the star of the new feature film called Junction Forty Eight. Uh, Tamir, I, I mentioned that there's a love story here as well in the film between Karim and Manal, who's an artist in her own right. And uh, as I was watching the film for a second time this past week, it occurred to me that this relationship between them could also be a metaphor, a, a symbol for the love of Lid, the love of Karim's community and the struggle for freedom there. I, I may be totally off track, but but in writing these scenes between your character and the character of Manar, uh, what were you trying to portray? Well, first of all, Manar is, uh, Manar's role is being played by the, the amazing Samar Kupti. And uh, Samar was the... Um, uh, assistance of the director. She she was actually 
trying to get girls to audition for Manar until she said, that's it, I want to try, I want to give her a shot. <laughs> and that's what made it uh, very cool. Um, and um, uh, I, I don't think there's a metaphor. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you saw it that way. But for me, it wasn't a metaphor. It was, it was very abstract to show that there's also a feminine Nakba. You know, there's a feminine Nakba because other than the uh, uh, other than us being oppressed, me as a man, I'm, a, I'm an oppressor as well. So it wasn't a metaphor for nothing. It was just me trying to show, uh, to take responsibility uh, uh, for the things that I do wrong as a man. Uh, not as an Arab man, but, but as a man, because I think chauvinism is an international thing. Uh, so for me, there was no metaphor. For me, it was just... Uh, trying sh to show uh, my responsibility on, on this case. And uh, other characters as well, you know, come up in, in, in the early uh, parts of the film. You have uh, two Jewish-Israeli rappers who make an appearance. Uh, if, if, uh, if you want to talk about a metaphor, for me, again, yeah. because some, me and Udi might disagree, me and Oren might disagree about what were, what was the intention. But for me, uh, uh, one of the most strongest, one of the strongest metaphor, metaphor characters in the movie is the mother itself, in Karim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about her. And, uh, and, and she's such a complex character. Um, and at the beginning of the film, is very different from who she is at the end. Um, can you talk a little bit about her and, and the inspiration for, for the mother character? Well, it's not like uh, I'm gonna do a spoiler. It's not like the, the yeah. Don't don't give any away. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not that type of movie of the sixth sense where 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 uh, Bruce Willis is dead is dead the whole movie. It's it's something different. <laughs> um, for me, the mother is when 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 we started writing about the mother, it always gave me a reflection of uh, one of uh, Saramago's books, uh, uh, the blindness book, blindness. Uh, where everybody goes blind and only the mother, uh, only the wife's doctor is the only one who can see. Uh, yeah. And that was Saramago's way to show us that women have a better point of view to the world than men. And for me, that was the mother. Uh, that was the, 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 the ma uh, yeah, that was the mother in Karim. Yeah. Um, because for me, for example, when she, 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 she starts as a communist after she goes through, a, 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 a trauma in her life, she becomes, uh, she goes, she becomes on a wheelchair and she becomes more religious and she becomes more, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, she, ex she exercises demons. Yeah, She's like mystical, more, yeah. more mystical. Yeah. Um, and one of the best scenes for me is when she goes to exercise demons um, uh, from uh, a Jewish uh, family. I don't know if you noticed, but when she yeah. goes to the girl, the haunted girl, it's yes. a Jewish family. It's yeah. a Mizrahi Jewish family. Right. And for me, it was for me it was one of the best metaphors in in, in the movie when. Um, when soon as they get into the house, the mother looks at the boys, Karim and Hussam, uh, played by uh, the great uh, Ayad Fadel, and she tells the boys, stay out. Uh, that means you men f***ed it up enough. That's enough. You stay out of it. So she goes in alone, uh, of course, with the Manar. And you can see the sisterhood there between Manar, which she's more liberal, and the mother, she's more uh, uh, religious. And the Jewish girl who's uh, haunted, uh, you, you don't know what she is. And the Jewish mother, the Mizrahi Jewish mother, which is, she's also religious. 
and to see the sisterhood inside without men inside it's amazing uh, poverty only poverty uh, only poverty unite them and the sisterhood uh, and of course we all know that mizrahi people are oppressed here but to keep it more precise you have the layers over there. You have the Mizrahi women standing and you have the mother even on a lower layer. She's sitting on the wheelchair. So she's, even if there is oppression between, uh, between Mizrahis and uh, even if there is oppression with the Mizrahim and with the, with the Palestinians, you can see that the Palestinians are in a lower point. And that's why they have the right to fix the world. Because I think that the world will not be saved by uh, uh, white men or rich people. I think these guys the world, and it should be the opposite. I think that the solution should come from the bottom, and I think that's that's one of the best metaphors to exorcise the demons, to exorcise ISIS, to exorcise Trump, Trump, to exorcise uh, Obama. Even I don't I don't see a big difference, or to exorcise Hillary Clinton or Bibi or or Assad um, or Putin. I think that only people that comes from down, 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 down. They see everything and they are sensitive even more. So that's that's for me. That's the metaphoric thing, you know. Uh, I was also struck by these um, these like caricatures of of these Zionist rappers that that you encounter in the nightclub. Um, they have these like really boring nationalistic songs about Zionism. The crowd in the club seems not to question or challenge or even be like affected by the lyrics. And Karim brushes them aside as well until Menard confronts him and the whole situation inside that club. Can you talk about the hip-hop scene in, in present-day Israel uh, and how, as a Palestinian rapper from Lid, you've come across these types of young nationalistic Zionist rappers? Um, how, how realistic is that scene and the discussions that Zionist rappers have with their audiences, or, or none at all, uh, or, or with other MCs? Well, the, the mainstream hip-hop... Uh years ago was the Israeli mainstream hip-hop was more uh, I don't want to generalize but the mainstream the biggest stars they for me they were very fascist um, and um, but nowadays hip-hop here is the Israeli hip-hop here is more uh, it's less political but it's more like positive um, but I think uh, I, I like a lot of them by the way and I play a lot of them and I enjoy their music. But I think it's in, in a way that they reach the point where, you know, where the Palestinians are separated in a wall. They don't bother them anymore. Uh, they are uh, stuck somewhere. So somehow they can enjoy their life by bringing Beyonce, by bringing everything while the Palestinians are being screwed. So somehow it gave them the point of being not... Um, not, uh, uh, not nationalist enough. They are beyond that for me. And, but back in the days when the story takes a place, like in 2004, let's say, 2005, I think that's where the story takes a place. Uh, yes, there was, you know, it was after the Second Intifada, and it was more nationalist. And it's funny because I remember a lot of scenes where um, I'm going to perform in an Israeli club, for example, in Tel Aviv, and I remember them singing about the army and how great the army is, and we should all recruit the army, and they were wearing the Muhammad Ali clay shirt. So I think it was, yeah, it was, you know, it's just uh, schizophrenia, but I would say it's more funny, it's more sad. Uh, I don't think that the, the Israeli hip-hop, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the nationalist one, I don't think they have self-awareness in a way. I don't think it can make, it's, it sounds like a white 
uh, it sounds like a white rapper in 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 the segregation days. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, uh, and 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 Karim's character, you know, he, he doesn't seem that affected by it at first, but but you see this growth, this very rapid growth throughout the the film, where he, you know, he he becomes political just just on the basis of you know what's happening around him um well let's face it at the beginning when he goes to the club he's just happy to see the speakers he's just he just did yeah. a sh- show at a birthday <laughs> for kids for babies <laughs> so for him at manar's uh, cousin's house so she comes from a very uh, uh, she comes from an aristocrat family. She comes from where she doesn't need that. Uh, and for him, he just stepped out of the neighborhood. And for the first time in his life, he sees lights, he sees a microphone, and he sees rappers. And and he's just like the rappers that he grew up with. And he, for him, he doesn't care about the lyrics. For him, it's like, wow, finally, hip. Because he cares about music, more about politics. Um, so Manar allows herself to be judgmental and to be, uh, oh, what are you listening to that? Because she, she, she's not missing that, uh, thing like he is, you know? Uh, so that's why, uh, it takes him time to understand what she's talking about. You know, I, I always remember, uh, you know, when you, when we talk about, you know, poor people that comes from a poverty place that. They don't want to be political. It reminds me of um, a Kendrick Lamar line, you know, because she's a prostitute, and when she wants to have sex, she does it in the big in the back seat, right? So she jumps to the back seat, and nothing really matters. So she hit the back seat. Rosa Parks never affect her when she's making the ends meet. And I think that's that's a line that I should that we should remember when 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 people that comes from poverty decides not to be political. I think they are trying to make ends meet. Uh, they're just trying to live. And that's why the prostitute in the Kendrick Lamar song, she just hits the back seat and she doesn't care about Rosa Park. She just want to make money now. Uh, so for Karim, that was it at this point. Uh, but of course, it takes time until, not not because Manar is so powerful for him, but because he loves her. And it sounds different when she say it. If, if one of his friends said it, I don't think he would give a damn. But if she said it, it's different. Manar really motivates. Manar and the mother are the key characters in the movie. They just, they just shape Karim. Tamar, let's let's talk about the reception that Junction Forty Eight has had in Europe and in the U.S. and in, in Palestine, including in Israel. What kinds of reviews has it gotten so far, especially from Palestinian audiences? Oh, I can remember. Uh, I, I I can remember two specific uh, quotations that we got on Facebook. One by a girl with hijab. Uh, she wrote that she's used to go to that main, because that was the first Arabic movie to reach the mainstream cinema here. Uh, and I'm talking about Tel Aviv, uh, Herzliya, uh, Rishon, uh, Haifa, uh, Nasra, uh, even Jenin and, um, uh, and Ramallah. And so it was in Ramallah for like uh, two months in the mainstream cinema. And one of the girls wrote that she went to Rishon, a Jewish city, to watch a movie because that's the closest one to uh, to Ramle and Lid. Uh, she said, "I went there, and at the same screen, at the same screen that I always watch movies where Arabs uh, are terrorists or Arabs are uh, a backwards people. Suddenly, I see." A movie uh, where the bad guy in the movie is an Arab and the good guy in the movie is an Arab, like every normal society in the world. 
Uh, so that was very emotional for me mm. uh, to see us functioning like a real society. Like we have bad people and we have good people. Um, that was one. And there's another one that I got from a Jewish girl that watched it in uh, Jerusalem. She said that for the first time in her life, she steps into a movie and it's half Palestinians and half Israelis. Uh, and she said that when the, Isra- when the Israeli rappers sings uh, the Israeli song, all the Jewish crowds uh, starts clapping. And when um, when the uh, Arabs sings about when Shimon Manar sings about no tengo lugar about Palestine, all the Arabs start clapping, and when the house is demolished, everybody is quiet. So I think that was one of the most uh, that, these two are the strongest ones that I got. What's it like uh, for you to hear that? What's it like for you know for you to to see these you know these audiences not not just in Palestine but but around the world? You were just here in the states with Uri. What has it been like uh, here to, to see these reactions by, by different audiences? Me and Udi are, uh, are not used, like we always get attention, but we are not used um, to get red carpets and these things uh, because we don't do mainstream stuff that people, that uh, normally festivals likes. Uh, so it was very... Interesting, like we started the movie on February, we opened in February uh, 2016 in uh, in the Berlinari. And it was a crowd of a thousand people. And when the movie ended, uh, they clapped, they clapped for 11 minutes. They clapped and they wow. whistled. It was like, yeah, it was like a, a soccer game. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that people in Germany goes that wild. And when I stepped into the stage, the guy, the, the, the festival's manager, he hugged me and he whispered, it's like, it's the first time I see something like this. I was like, okay, that's different. So, and then we won the um, award of the, of the audience award. Yeah. And then we went to Tribeca and then we won Tribeca and it was all amazing. And then when we decided to open here at the 1st of May, um, me and Udi decided that, um, we cannot, okay, we got Tribeca, the Tribeca signature, we got Berlinari's signature, we need the lit signature before we start the movie here. So a day before the main screening, uh, we we opened a, a theater and we invited uh, all of lit people to watch it. And what was and that like? It was amazing. For me, you know, we didn't watch the movie, we stayed outside, me, Udi and Samar, and we were talking and then Udi and Samar told me, why are you being so rude and violence with us violent with us so i was i was exci- i wasn't like that in berlinali or tribeca but somehow in led i felt very uh tensed uh it was yeah. very intention for me because it's people that i know it's it's even if i don't know everybody's name but it's just people i know that i know and they know and i know that they will be uh, so, so when they watched the movie, it was it was very personal for them, you know. Uh, uh, so, and and I was very moved, very, 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 very moved to see them hugging the movie and clapping so hard. And I was like, okay, wow! If your city loves you, and I mean, that's that's it. That's that's all I need now. Yeah, yeah. They could be your harshest critics, and and also your you know your most beloved fan. I I got the privilege to be the second one. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Tamar, you've been a hip-hop artist for about 20,000 years now. Uh, was acting a natural thing for you? Or you know, do you want to keep acting and writing screenplays? Where is this going? 
yes, I would like to do that. I, I, I need to find more time for these things. It was very hard for me to do it. At the beginning, I really didn't want to do it. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that I've been through, I, 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 I really didn't want, look, I'm, I'm being, I've been doing the same character for 16 years. I've been standing on stage and I'm being, delivering charisma and delivering uh, energy and jumping and yelling and giving jokes, like in control. But in the movies, um, you need to be, a, show your weakness. And I'm really not, rappers are not good at these things. Rappers don't show their weakness normally. Um, <laughs> and it was very hard for me. But that was the reason that we started the movie. I mean, I, I've been through a lot of personal shit. And I shared it with uh, my friend back then. He was my friend, Udi. And, and, and only, you know, because he's an amazing director. And he said, okay, now that you are ready to show weakness, I think we are ready to make a movie. And that gave me more confidence to do it. It was hard at the beginning for me um, to because it's beyond the Israeli borders. It's inside borders that everyone has inside of him. Uh, but you know, you just when you trust uh, when you trust your partners, and there was a trust, and you know, um, it's just a process, an amazing process that I would love to do it again in my life. Finally, your your thoughts on the political situation now in Palestine, as you know, as the Israeli government continues to steal Palestinian land, invade Palestinian cities, towns, and villages, hunt and kill Palestinian youth, and enact laws against activists who support the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. What are you watching closely right now, and and what keeps you going? Ah, uh, nothing actually. I think I think we are running out of fuel, to be honest. Um, it's going really hard. Uh, I don't know if it's harder on, uh, I don't know, it's just hard times nowadays. I think that Israel has been like that every, always. I think now they're just, they have the guts to get out of the closet. Um, I don't know where is it going. Uh, I don't think it's good, um, especially with the collapse of the Arabic world as well. Um, so I, I really don't know. All I know is, uh, that I have my close artist friends uh, and we are just, you know, um, maintaining to create and, you know, when the world pressed restart, um, you know, that's what I say in my new song, uh, um, uh, like that the U.S. government and, and the Western world made us flee floods. So now I'm, I'm in my Middle East art, I'm in my Middle East art collecting street arts, waiting for the world to restart. Uh, so that's that is what's happening now. We're just trying to save the normality, the, the normal uh, people and the people who really want to change uh, until uh, until the world collapse and we'll just start a new generation. It sounds very optimistic uh, and pessimistic at the same time, yeah. but I really don't know. Uh, I don't think it's good for now. Well, Nafar, you're a hip-hop legend from Palestine, an actor and a screenwriter. Uh, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Shukran, please go watch the movie. It will be out soon on Netflix, iTunes, and these things. You can also, one of the amazing things about the movie is the music itself that was yeah. made by uh, Itamar Taylor and me. Uh, and I think it's people can get it now. Just search for the soundtrack of Junction 48 and enjoy the music. Tamar, thank you so much. Shukran. Up next, an interview with director Udi Aloni. Stay tuned, but first, here's a song from the soundtrack to Junction 48. 
سالات شيبس بتساد بالنسبة لكم هذا هو الدوكيوم احيماني مع فيد بامي سادا سرامي بناي فجأة الدوكيوم بقلبي يوم دي مغرافي انا مش بوليتي انا مش بوليتي This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm your host, Nora Barrows-Friedman. We're back with filmmaker Udi Aloni, the director of Junction 48, who is in New York doing promotion for the film. He's on his way to Ann Arbor for the Palestine Film Festival and then off to France in early April. Udi Aloni, it's great to have you with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. It's my pleasure. So Tamar talked about the process in writing the script, uh, incorporating these aspects of Palestinian life in Lid, from home demolitions to racism to constant police violence, but also about the life of regular people, family, career, love interests. Uh, you're a longtime filmmaker, writer, and activist. Tell us about how these, uh, these stories were woven together in this film. What was most important for you to communicate to your audience? You know, I really feel that because Tamer and me working together for 15 years, more or less, and first time I shot him in my first film, Local Angel, he was 24 or 23 years old. So I felt very familiar with uh, Lid, with the town that uh, Tamer grew up and still lives there. And my feeling was that in order for us to deliver a true universal message, we have to be extremely particular in the details of what it is, what is to be a Palestinian within Israel, what we call 48ers, 
what is this place that you live apartheid that is not so obvious to to the people out of Israel because everyone thinks about Palestine as the West Bank, but they don't think about it as a place within Israel that the full culture is uh, oppressed. And also what is to be, to give this feeling and smell of the food, of the life, of the friendship, of the hood that uh, he grew up. So I felt that what I want to say, I know what I want to say. I don't have to push it. My job as a filmmaker is to create this perfect feeling of the location that you almost will smell the the makrube when when you cook it and if i do this right i felt that the story will come out uh, and what we want to say will be included with those details so that's i felt more or less of my mission the proof was that when we did i wasn't happy how the makrube looked after we finished everything and already in the editing room it didn't look so much like a real makrube i asked Tamar's mother to come to a whole shooting day to re-prepare a whole makrube that it will look a true one. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, this was that uh, Tamar's uh, mother's hand in the movie is uh, something that show what the movie is all about. Oh, that's fabulous. Um, and and in your work as a filmmaker in the past, uh, you've talked about creating this, uh, what you call a binational language in which to navigate a mutual space in Palestine and Israel, really working to implement, you know, a post-colonial culture, if you will. It was clear to me that, that this binational language, that intention of yours is, is, is totally revealed in this film and how you directed it and how you and Tamar and, and, and everybody in that community work to portray life in Lid without, you know, the certain heavy handedness that some films about Palestine have to them. Um, can you talk about that, what, what that binational language is and, and more about this intention in your directing of this film? That's extremely important for me, and I'm so happy you asked about that. But I feel that in a way I have uh, two big teachers for that. One is Edward Said, and especially uh, the late Edward Said in his last book, I think, Freud and the Non-European. He really created this offering. He, he, in a way, offered or was welcoming the Jews who come to Palestine. If only they can be able to think in a non-European way, and to create, and he offered this to try to search for this binational language, which can be very, very good for the Jews and for the Palestinians in a way, and not by trying to merge to become one, uh, one nation, but understand that you speak about two different nations and two different languages, but the tension and the dialogue between them can create a new place. That's what Said offered. And it was nice because he was reading uh, Freud, reading Moses, Musa, and I was reading Said, reading Freud, <laughs> reading Moses. So it created this kind of a continuity already that Palestinians and Jews are reading the text of the original prophet and bring it to this new place of secular, but yet ripe with the uh, history of this place. The other one, and was uh, the late Giuliano Melchamis when he invited me to live uh, in Janine refugee camp with him, working in the Freedom Theater in Masachel to see Giuliano that he's really, is half Palestinian and half uh, Jew, or we said 100% Palestinian and 100% Jew, and to see him working and me working with him to create theater, to create cinema, to create 
<coughs> language that can offering a new place, even in a place that it's so difficult, because Janine refugee camp is the death symbol of oppression. Like you see people who really came from from a place that now is Israel, they're in camp and they have to see their houses just across the border that somebody else lives there. And in this place to offer also a, you know, a productive or something with hope to this place that uh, we live in was really teaching me, Giuliano teach me this, I said, the step of binationalism, how to move in this language. So, and I feel Giuliano was very important to Tamar and to me also. Dan came a few times to do performance <coughs> in the Janine in the Freedom Theater. Yeah. And I think that when Tamar and me worked there, for us, binationalism, it's very important. It's not a dialogue. It's not, uh, let's Jews and Palestinians speak with each other. It's Jews and Palestinians together working first to create a full equality to the, and fighting for the oppressed and fighting for the Palestinian. And, and really, when you saw the house demolitions, you forget that on top of it, there is something much stronger. There is the cultural demolition of the Palestinian people. The minute Tamar relates himself as Palestinian and not as Israeli Arab, the entire Israeli government go to try to destroy what is offered. So this binationalism is really the place to create the place between the river to the sea, a place that's not only just equal and justice, but also that's offering something new to the world, a new possibility. And I think in this extremely pessimistic time now between Bibi and Trump and uh, and all the rest, yeah. everyone we mention will be part of them. For us to create this Noah Ark, we called it, this Noah Ark that's floating in this terrible flood around us and 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 keeping this new language and creating it, it's, it's a little bit of optimism in this uh, destruction world right now. That's the voice of director Udi Aloni. Um, Udi, you built the outdoor set for the home demolition scenes in the middle of this neighborhood. Uh, what was it like filming that and, and interacting with the community while home demolitions, as you said, like these have been rampant in Lid and other Palestinian communities for decades since the Nakba? The truth is that when we built the house, for, you know, I built a totally full house because we really wanted to you know, this scene is very realistic when uh, even the, the crew and Tamer and the actor on summer, when they saw the demolition, they start to cry almost as the real one because we make it so authentic. But the true, I isolated it from the neighborhood. Everything you see there is totally controlled by, by the cinema. Sometimes, you know, the most true is the, is the fiction and how you create it because it was very difficult to put it really in the neighborhood as it is. It could be too traumatic to too many people. We were involving, unfortunately, many, try to stop many house demolitions in red. There are so many of them and only for Palestinians. They, they, they prove retroactive houses of Jews and then the Palestinians who lived there for a long time are living with this threat that their house can be demolished every day. So we we isolated where we shoot it and we rebuild the house to demolish it. 
And it was so authentic that the city hall uh, gave us a note to destroy, to demolish this house <laughs> because it looks such a real thing. So we almost wanted to wait for them to do it and save some money. Oh, my God. But uh, um, I think that everyone that uh, from the crew that was from Lid or other big cities Experience it, it was very difficult. It was really what you see. I really swear the tears that you see in the eye of the old man, of this amazing actor, yeah. uh, Kupti, he came to me after having me and said, Udi, this was a real tear. Because I was so amazed how he acted so, uh, you know, so authentic. And that touched me. It, it wasn't an easy moment to, to shoot that. We spent two, three days undo the demolition, we spend a month to build all the detail correctly. So, yeah. But it's important to also mention, I think, the day after you see that there is a concert, a protest concert on the demolition house. And for Western people, it's really hard to think, how can they go and sing after the house was demolished? They they don't understand, I think, the the spirit of resistance that you do cry on the on the demolish, but you really want to show that you can rebuild your place. There is a Bedouin village in the Negev in the south that they build their village seventy times or even more. Each time Israel come and demolish it and they rebuild it. Yeah, I think so, it's over a hundred times now in Al Arakib. Over a yeah. hundred times yeah. now, yeah. So and you know, and and we going to all of those places. We going to Um el Khiran, and we, it's it's you cannot. I don't have words to explain it. You know, there is no. You know, I can't believe that like people like Governor Como here in New York, when he tried to put sanction to put people who tried to boycott Israel and to use nonviolence. Uh, nonviolence mean against this extreme violence of Israel. It's really make him, for me, look exactly like Trump. I don't see the difference. Because if once you experience a family, in my previous film, we saw it very well in art violence. It was in Lord Palmer brought me there. We were standing all day there. The rain came. And when all the kids were in school, Israel came and destroyed totally their house. 50 kids, Israeli citizens, Palestinian Israeli citizens, very important. They came back. And they saw the house demolished. 50 kids came back from schools without home. That even according to the law, even if it would be illegal, they have to create first to prove to the court that there is a place for those kids to live. But when it's Palestinian, fair game, you know, who cares? And for me, seeing that, I said that one day I have to show it so realistic to the world. So, yeah, sorry, I got emotional at this yeah. because the image was appearing. Yeah. We can, but now we can sing on the ruins as we do and rebuild it. <laughs> I think that's the only way forward, right? It's the only yeah. way, yeah. yeah. Once we stop doing it, it means that it's a full victory for them. Yeah. And they might win, you know, I don't know. We are not such as, we are weak. We are not so strong. We have our art that cannot change at all. We have those amazing dedicated people but it's very difficult times now it is the film is going on next week on all online iTunes pay-per-view all that and there is still communities that can invite the film in different theaters around America through TAG and I really want 
as many people to see this film and because for us it's a film that has to be first excellent film of course because as Giuliano said uh, high high quality is the mean of resistance but we want also it to have a wake-up call to to American citizens also to support the cause so it has two two different goals, or maybe it's the same goals. You know, it's always hard. We always separate between art and politics as it's possible <laughs> to separate between the two. While, of course, one without the other is meaningless. You know, right. activist films that don't have art sometimes are against the cause because nobody wants to see them. Art that try to be just art without politics, that's only privilege can say them, not political. That's the beautiful song of Tamer, of Karim in the song, Anamish Politi, and not political. It's kind of a joke. Like, only privileged guy can see, do art and say them, not political, and doing just art, you know? Once you, once you live in, you know, under oppression, everything you do is art. Even to do art is a resistance to, yeah the politics yeah well um uh remind people how they can see the film and and learn more about it and uh hopefully they'll be um the film will be coming to their area but if not um where can people go online to see it i think that if you go on a junction 48 film junction 48 film you can go and see through tag all the places it's going to show in different neighborhoods and also you can communities can invite the film. Great. And from next Friday it will be really many pay per view on demand in iTunes. So people can go online and uh, and uh, purchase it. So there are two. I like that communities see it, and also if in time, sometimes when we are in the States, we love and speak with communities. We'll do it even in Palestine when it was out, and in Israel, we went to communities to show it, even though it was in main theaters, just to have this possibility to discuss, because the film speaks a lot about the relationship also between oppression and women's rights. We didn't speak yeah. about it so yeah. much here. But for us, it's very important because sometimes if you just do a film about uh, women's rights causes in Palestine, not mention that it's all, a whole community under colonial oppression, you, you're missing the fact that it's almost impossible for the women's uh, rights to fight for themselves when they have to fight a national fight for independence. And Tamer and me and Giuliano before and all, we all the time it was very important that it's the same fight. The fight for equality is always the same fight and we have to to reveal the problem everywhere. And I think that's why we were happy when Linda Sarsour was uh, tweet uh, our film to people because she, in a way, is kind of the spirit of something that connects to what we do there. Yeah. But I think go online to this... Uh, Junction 48, that film, I think all the information is there. Udi Aloni, thank you so much for your work and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Good luck with the film. My pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net. 
where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on iTunes, support the Electronic Intifada podcast by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening.